If you couldn't tell by the name of this podcast, it is not appropriate for children. The content of our episodes may include subjects of sexual and or abusive nature against adults, children, and or animals. While the topics of this podcast are typically very serious, the hosts have trash mouths and inappropriate senses of humor. If you are easily offended, Karen and Linda, this likely isn't the right content for you. Proceed at your own behest. Good evening, everyone. This is Allison. I am coming to you today sans Courtney. And this is Murder Porn. Sorry to break the news to you, but I am recording solo, coming to you with a mini-episode this week. Courtney had some unexpected family stuff come up that needed to be done in a very, very rushed fashion. So as it was her week to tell a story and as she was unable to make it, um, I just kind of am going to tell you guys a little mini story this week, one that I've never heard told before. And I like that. I like to give you guys stuff that, you know, maybe isn't stuff that you hear all the time. New stuff of you. This one's not about a serial killer. It's not about a mass murderer. It is about one incident that took place between two fairly famous people in the time and two leaders of the beat movement or the beat generation, if you would like to call it that. Today's story is about William S. Burroughs and Joan Vollmer Burroughs. William S. Burroughs was born February 5th, 1914. He was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, His family was very affluent. His grandfather was the inventor of the adding machine, which was basically a very primitive form of a calculator. Burroughs eventually moved to New York City um, after he graduated from Harvard. He befriended some pretty famous names, Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. They were two principal figures in the beat movement, and they were also writers. Burroughs became a novelist in their footsteps, and his chosen topics were those that addressed his queerness, and he developed a following among writers of the beat movement who liked his frankness about the subject and also his um, experiences with addiction. After starting with morphine in 1944, Burroughs' drug of choice was ultimately heroin. The Beat Movement, or the Beat Generation, according to Britannica.com, was an American literary and social movement that started in the 1950s and developed a footing in the bohemian artist communities of San Francisco's North Beach, Venice West in LA, and Greenwich Village in New York City. Followers were later called Beatniks and expressed their alienation from conventional society. Um, and they adopted a style of dress, manners, and vocabulary mostly borrowed from jazz musicians. They advocated for personal release, purification, and illumination through the heightened sensory awareness induced by drugs, jazz, sex, and Zen Buddhism. Okay, so like where do we sign up? (laughs) 
1946, William married Joan Vollmer. Joan was born and raised in upstate New York and also came from an upper-middle-class family. She had received a scholarship and attended Barnard College in New York City. Afterwards, she married a man who was drafted into the military for World War II shortly after their wedding, but not too soon for them to have a son. She, jaded, she then dated Jack Kerouac shortly after he was discharged from the Navy. He also served in World War II. Kerouac is the one who eventually introduced Joan Vollmer to William S. Burroughs, and um, Burroughs and Vollmer began a passionate and fiery relationship, which was reported to have been fueled by drug use and quote-unquote debauchery, which I'm sure debauchery in the 1940s and 50s was very different than what we would consider uh, debauchery to be today. But anyhow, together the couple moved all over the country, and they had a son together, William Jr. So now there's two kids in tow. They tried and failed to farm fruits and vegetables, like cash crops in rural Texas. I guess um, William just decided that the hard labor work was not for him, and he wanted to um, continue his quote-unquote studies. So at that point, they moved to New Orleans, Louisiana, and there Burroughs was arrested for possession. After his arrest, a search warrant allowed police to search his apartment, and there they found letters that were written between Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg, and that provided some evidence that Burroughs was potentially smuggling drugs across the Mexican border. To avoid arrest and being sent to prison, uh, Burroughs and Vollmer went on the lam to Mexico City. Shortly after, it was reported that their relationship sort of rapidly deteriorated. I guess um, Burroughs began cheating on Joan with men, which, yeah, I guess that could deteriorate a relationship. (laughs) And then Joan began drinking very heavily. I don't know if it was as a result of the cheating or boredom or part of the beatnik movement, but, you know, one thing led to another. This brings us to the night of September 6, 1951. On this night, Joan and William were at a friend's apartment drinking. They were with a group of people. In the police reports that followed, it stated that both were highly intoxicated. During the course of the party, William apparently whipped a handgun out. It was a new one. He wanted to test its shooting ability. And there's several stories because apparently... He changed his stories to authorities after consulting with an attorney. But here's the gist. They were all drunk. He pulled out a handgun from his bag. He said loudly to his wife, it's time for our William Tell Act. And Vollmer then grabbed a highball glass of gin and put it on top of her head. This is a trick they had both done countless times at parties in the past. And it had always worked. It had always been a hit. It was reported that this time that the difference was how intoxicated they both were. Apparently it was a newer gun. And they were both apparently going through heroin withdrawals. As you can guess, what happened next was 
described by pretty much everyone in attendance, a complete nightmare. Burroughs aimed his gun at the glass on his wife's head and pulled the trigger. He missed the glass and shot Joan in the forehead, killing her instantly. He told authorities later that when Joan fell to the floor, he thought she was joking. She was transferred to the hospital, but she never regained consciousness, and she was eventually pronounced dead. Burroughs was arrested and charged with murder. Burroughs' brother eventually came to New Mexico. It's said that he bribed several Mexican authorities and eventually was able to bail his brother out of jail. He and his family then fled the country. His two children were sent to live with different family members. And as tends to happen for the wealthy, especially in this time, his life went on. He went on to write his well-known novel, Naked Lunch, and he used his writing as a way to escape the extreme guilt that he confessed to bearing over the death of his wife. He lived his entire life in guilt over this devastating accident that happened you know, under the influence of drugs and alcohol and trying to escape the square lifestyle and live the beatnik lifestyle, I guess. Um, Burroughs, you know, spent his life in the throes of addiction to one substance or another, and eventually he passed away of natural causes at the age of 83. So... You know, that is the story of Joan Bulmer and William S. Burroughs. I highly recommend looking up some of his novels and writings. They're very well-renowned within, or well-respected, I should say, especially within the queer community. It was really sort of unknown or unheard of for his time for a man to speak so frankly of these things. This is a time when being gay and, and, and acting in homosexual manners was illegal in most places. So the way that he spoke so frankly of it and provided an outlet and something to relate to for people in that community, it was groundbreaking. So my resources for this episode are Britannica.com, Factinate.com, and realitystudio.org. I apologize, I'm not as funny by myself, and I don't have anyone to like, I guess, feed off of their energy, but uh, I have also had a very long weekend, you know, just on a personal note. Courtney's dealing with some family stuff, but, you know, I've been dealing with some pretty big health issues for many, many years now. And I spent the last couple days traveling um, back and forth from the Cleveland Clinic to see specialists and kind of was put through the ringer on tests and information. And, you know, I'm a little bit low uh, energy today as a result of all of that. So I apologize, but you get what you get. <laughs> if you have any compliments, comments, concerns, uh, pertinent information, or case recommendations, you are welcome to email us at uh, murderpornpodcast at gmail.com. 
I check that on a daily basis, so I look forward to hearing from you guys. And we are now available on Anchor, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are working on some other outlets kind of as we grow. Um, We did, after our first episode, hit enough followers to be able to go ahead and monetize the podcast. So we are super, super excited about that. We cannot wait to grow with you guys and, you know, hopefully be able to continue providing you stories that we enjoy, stories that we have never heard, learning more, um, and, you know, just getting to know other fans of true crime. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for liking, following, and sharing. We very much appreciate it. And with that being said, we will see you next week with Courtney's story, which will be one of the cases from the missing 411. So we look forward to bringing that to you, and you guys have a great week. Okay, bye.